Welcome to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. Here's today's moderator, Rich Brady. Welcome, and thanks for joining us again. I'm Rich Brady, CEO at the American Society of Military Comptrollers, which is celebrating its 75th anniversary of support to the defense financial management community in 2023, and your host on The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. My guest today is John Saad, Partner and Segment Leader for Defense and Security at GuideHouse. GuideHouse is a global provider of consulting services to the public sector and commercial markets with broad capabilities in management, technology, and risk consulting. They help their clients address complex challenges and create opportunities by focusing on transformational change, business resiliency, and technology-driven innovation. In August of 2022, GuideHouse announced the consolidation of the firm's national security and defense segments, and in October, completed the acquisition of Grant Thornton's public sector advisory practice. Coming off a very busy 2022, we are anxious to hear what GuideHouse has in store for 2023. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rich. So great having you here today. Uh, thank you for joining us, and thank you for the support uh, to the American Society of Military Comptors. We really appreciate it. Uh, GuideHouse was established uh, in 2018, but we understand the roots of GuideHouse go back a little bit further than that. Can you talk a little bit about the origin of, of GuideHouse and what led to where they are today? Absolutely. So uh, GuideHouse is a carve-out from PwC. It was the public sector practice that was really founded around 2004, 2005. As you recall, in this industry, there's lots of turnover, and at that point in time, PwC sold its government consulting business to IBM. A few years later, PwC decided to re-enter that space, and that became the kernel for what today is GuideHouse. So over that 13 to 15-year period, we organically grew from no revenue to having a base of about four or $500 million, and private equity came and carved that out. So the foundation of what was founded in 2018, GuideHouse, was from PwC Public Sector Advisory. And what was that inflection point then in 2018 uh, that uh, resulted in the, the change of the name? Was it change in ownership? Uh, a change in structure? Yeah, it was uh, all of the above. So okay. it was a change in ownership. Uh, private equity from Veritas Capital purchased that unit out from PricewaterhouseCoopers and put a standalone company together, renamed it as GuideHouse. The rationale for, for the transaction was that we needed to further invest in our government consulting business. And in a global accounting and tax firm, it was getting difficult to make that a priority. So private equity saw an opportunity. The firm PwC saw an opportunity to sort of have a mutual benefit from that process. And it took it private and became its own standalone entity. And then, the, so did it always start to mostly in the federal space uh, and then grew a commercial side or did those two grow together uh, almost simultaneously? Yeah, so as part of the investment thesis in the carve out was to create a new uh, management consulting business that was focused on commercial and public sector. We saw a lot of synergy between uh, going to market by industry. So part of our plan was to start with this public sector business and then add commercial adjacencies and capabilities. So shortly thereafter, GuideHouse started on a process of acquisitions and looked at Navigant, a management technology consulting firm that was publicly listed. It was purchased and delisted, and they brought to us deep commercial capability in the industry segments that we are represented in today, which is defense and security, energy sustainability and infrastructure, financial services, and healthcare. So it was great complementary commercial capability to our public sector capability. So you talked a little bit about uh, kind of where you started out, revenues, uh, you know, in the beginning. Uh, where are you today? I mean, that growth, what has it led to today? What's the size of, uh, of the firm today? Yeah, we're really proud. GuideHouse is an over $3 billion, you know, business today uh, in terms of revenue. And we're about, I'd say, 60% focused on public sector, 40% on commercial, if you looked at how our revenue composition is, and largely driven by our M&A activity over the last few years. 
Uh, you mentioned at the outset the Grant Thornton. That was our most recent transaction, their public sector practice. In the middle of the Navigant and Grant Thornton deals, we did a, a transaction with a company in the D.C. area called Devel Technologies, and they brought a digital capability to us. So each of the acquisitions has brought new capabilities as part of our investment thesis, but also have somewhat changed the scale between commercial and public sector depending on, on their backlog and their business but all part of our plan to be relatively equally weighted in commercial and public sector. Yeah, I, w I definitely want to get into uh, your growth strategy, and it sounds like it's really a kind of a growth through acquisition. There's, I assume, some organic growth as well. But back to the, uh, to the acquisition of, of Grant Thornton um, and the restructuring of uh, the national security defense segments, can you talk a little bit about that? They happened almost back-to-back -back mm -hmm. in uh, 2022. Um, you know, what, what did those, what did that provide to the firm? What value did that uh, add to the firm and ultimately to your clients? Yeah, significant value. I think, first of all, we had looked at our defense and national security business over the last few years and looking for the right opportunity to leverage the synergies between the two. And while they were both growing, um, I think we saw an opportune time to put those businesses together. It's relatively consistent with some of our competition in the market, but also we were starting to see the way that we work together internally, it became more and more of a natural thing. So August seemed to be the right time to, to put that in place, and I oversaw the combination of those two business units. And then that was on the heels of the Grant Thornton acquisition, which they operated very similar to how we operate now in a defense and security construct. So having a platform for them to come in that was familiar and also provide that kind of synergy was what we were looking for and what sort of drove the time frame. You know, with any acquisition, uh, uh, obviously, you, you've got to integrate uh, systems, policy, people. One of the most difficult areas is, is the cultures. Uh, can you talk a little bit about integrating uh, the Grant Thornton culture into uh, Guidehouse culture, bringing those together, or other acquisitions you've done? How, how have you managed that? Yeah, I think one of the things that our, our team has done extremely well in terms of seeking out M&A opportunities is to start with that cultural fit. Are they culturally accretive? Are these individuals that are looking for the same type of platform that we have here at Guidehouse? How hard is the sell going to be, if you will, to bring them on onto the platform? And, and what is the long-term benefit going to look like? I mean, certainly synergies on paper are different than synergies in practice. And we right. want to make sure that we have like-minded individuals that can go to market and bring the best to bear of both organizations. So with Grant Thornton, a lot of diligence was done on the cultural piece. Now, routinely over the last several years, we have worked you know, with them as teaming partners. We have competed against them. We know a lot of the folks that we currently work with today. And so we had a good sense of that. But the diligence process confirmed that. So I think that sets the foundation for knowing you know, where we're starting from and where we have to go to, to make a successful integration. I'd say that culturally, um, you know, we have a lot of similarities. So um, there, you know, there was a, a great easy fit. I mean, they're they're driven by teamwork and collaboration, as are we. Right. And so there were lots of things that, you know, starting with that platform, we're able to really um, infuse the talent really rapidly across the organization. So uh, you've got a number of federal clients and a number of defense clients. Uh, when you go, when you're meeting one of them initially, what's your kind of initial, what's your initial pitch? How do you, how do you sell a Guidehouse to them if you've got a short amount of time? You know, what's... What, how do you describe the value of, of Guidehouse to them? Yeah, I think, look, we are a purpose-built management and technology consultancy. We focus sort of on three aspects of the client's needs, from their design, our advisory business, to their build, uh, our digital business, and to the, to the extent that they need it to our operate our managed services business. I think one of the things that we do differently than others is we come to market fully integrated by industry. So our healthcare teams are focused on supporting our clients, both in the commercial healthcare side as well in the public sector side. And you can go through each of our verticals and see that. We're able to take advantage of our scale and bring that know-how both back and forth between commercial and public sector 
which is something that a lot of our you know, firms in the market say they can do, but are unable to take advantage of that complementary capability and take advantage of that scale. I think us delivering it is what differentiates us in those cases. So with that comes more impactful differentiated solutions and a focus of people that want to be in the industries that they're supporting versus being just part of a firm. Um, and I think that's a huge differentiation. And if I could just say one more thing to that is if you come to Guidehouse and work in defense and security, is first and foremost, you love the mission of defense and security. And secondary, you want to be at Guidehouse and work in management consulting. In other cases, we've seen individuals join for the brand, not for the mission. So we start with mission first. Great. Uh, no, that's fantastic. Uh, you talked again about uh, your overall growth strategy, some of the mergers and acquisition that you, you have completed. Can you talk a little bit about uh, more about uh, that growth strategy, you know, the overall strategy of Guidehouse, where you're going now that you've completed the acquisition of, uh, of Grant Thornton, uh, you've done the reorganization, what's next? Yeah, so I think when, when I think about our growth strategy, and you mentioned it earlier, it's a combination of organic and inorganic growth. In fact, in defense and security, it's largely been inorganic, and we've had industry-leading growth over the last four and a half years, considering that we're a new company. Um, part of that, though, is being able to harness our collaborative capabilities. So I talked about when we were separated by defense and national security, we were still collaborating. We we're collaborating across the entire entity. Uh, this combination makes it more seamless. When I think about M&A from a growth perspective, we'll continue to fill in where we have needs. Um, we have a nascent capability in digital in the defense and national security space, but there's tremendous upside in that area. We have tremendous advisory capabilities, but now we've got to continue to go deeper into the mission sets, um, moving from the mission support functions of our clients. So we'll be looking at targets that can provide us different capabilities as more of a niche sort of piece as opposed to the overlaying uh, you know, strategy that we're looking for. I tend to see that uh, you know, transformational ideas uh, emanate from the commercial side and eventually make it into the, into the public sector. Uh, how do you manage that knowledge? Are you, do you see that as well, that uh, the knowledge transfer is more from the commercial side to the public sector side? Or is there some knowledge that transfers from the public sector side back to the commercial side within I, your firm? I think it goes both ways. I mean, I think, first of all, our commercial clients, I can speak for Guidehouse broadly, are intrigued by the work that we do in the federal space. Um, the complexity, the sensitivity of the work, the scale of the work, um, it gives you a certain level of credibility. If you think about things like cybersecurity, all the big investment banks want to know how the federal government is doing things, what they're thinking about, what they're worried about. When you look at financial management, I know an area near and dear to your heart, the scale at which we're operating with the entities that we're supporting in Department of Defense, Homeland Security, and more broadly, is something that you know, is intriguing and interesting. So I think we can bring, and we have brought, those thought leadership back and forth between the two segments. And I think having a fully integrated P&L by commercial and public sector allows us to do that internally seamlessly within our organization. Right. What opportunities do you see in the public sector right now? Um, you know, obviously, you, you said we're, we're uh, financial management is near and dear to our heart, so there's a lot of talk about audit, audit support, uh, data analytics, uh, decision support. Um, within defense or even outside defense in the larger federal space, uh, what are some of the opportunities you're seeing right now? Some of the areas that we've had recent success on, but there's a tremendous amount of work to be done, is around uh, identity and access credential management. Um, so if you think about uh, who has access to your systems, your facilities, your data, um, those are areas that we're seeing a big spike in, in need. Clearly cybersecurity, but getting refined to what areas of cyber people are most uh, focused on, how we can support our clients in those areas. Customer experience is huge. Um, we're seeing um, how can we more effectively deliver the mission? Um, how can we be more in touch with the citizen and around what their needs are and get that real-time feedback on that? So those are just a few of the areas that we're seeing in addition to sort of the traditional things that we look at every single day. Absolutely. You're listening to The Business of Defense with our guest, John Saad from Guidehouse. We'll be right back. 
The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Welcome back to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. I'm talking with John Saad, partner and segment leader for defense and security at Guidehouse, a Veritas Capital portfolio company. Guidehouse is led by seasoned professionals with proven and diverse expertise in traditional and emerging technologies, markets, agenda-setting issues. John, welcome back. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about your path uh, at Guidehouse, uh, how you got into this business and uh, how you rose to this uh, position as a segment leader for defense and security. Yeah, Rich, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of circumstances happen and it sort of changes the path of your career. When I was at PwC working in the commercial practice, 9-11 happened. Um, and shortly thereafter, PwC got involved in the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund. And they were looking for volunteers to help uh, run the adjudication process of the claims that were coming in uh, from the commercial business. And I raised my hand. And little did I know that that hand raising would turn into a two and a half year assignment where I'd have the most remarkable experience in terms of my professional career um, in supporting the mission of national security at, at the early stages. And um, I had a lead role as a, overseeing the team of adjudicators on the personal injury claims for the Victim Compensation Fund. And that just uh, opened my mind up to what might a future look like in public sector consulting? What might a future supporting national security apparatus look like? So from there, I joined PwC's upstart public sector practice and progressively uh, took on different roles and expanded our footprint in different parts of the DHS mission and was asked to take on leadership positions for our Homeland Security and law enforcement at one point, and then eventually what is today defense and security. Do you think having that uh, commercial sector background helped you uh, when you transitioned over to the public sector side? It, it certainly didn't hurt. I mean, I think when I first joined in the public sector side, I was looking for ways to apply that commercial skill set to public sector problems. And one of the things that I did initially when, when DHS was stood up was help TSA calculate the airline security infrastructure fee and what was the cost of pre-9-11 screening. So it was very much tied to my background in commercial consulting around quantifying damages for issues in dispute of recreating a cost trail. I then parlayed that into supporting FEMA after Hurricane Katrina, looking at how some of the improper payments arose and what some of the controls and mitigations could be put in place around some of those high-risk grant programs. So I think that perspective brought something to the table, but I learned so much uh, from the public sector side in addressing the problems of that scale and magnitude um, was something uh, fascinating to me, and I've been excited about it ever since. Uh, do you think that uh, your your public sector clients uh, appreciate that? Are they looking for uh, what's going on in the commercial sector, you know, best practices out there, and see if they can adopt them, modify them somewhat for the public sector? I think they do. I think, look, um, first of all, I have a tremendous amount of respect for our clients and their you know, senior public servants that do this because they choose to, not because they have to. And I think when the time is right and they're looking for a solution to a problem where one doesn't exist, they're open to hear all ideas. Um, so maybe not every day, every hour, a commercial application exists. But in many cases, in more transformational opportunities, there are ways to bring in elements, if not whole scale uh, ideas from the commercial side, or bringing people in with different perspectives to just sort of open up their mind to another way to tackle a problem, or bringing stakeholders from commercial uh, clients of ours to speak to our public sector clients to give them a different lens to which to look at things through. Now, as you were coming up through the firm, uh, first through PwC and then uh, into Guidehouse, uh, leading to this, uh, this leadership position, uh, did you have mentors along the way, people who helped you out, uh, and you know, what advice, recommendations do they have for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm fortunate to have had a great set of mentors uh, from the sort of first person I worked for out of undergrad uh, for in a small consulting firm to my first partner at PwC to the current CEO of Guidehouse, who's been a, a friend and mentor for many years. Um, I've learned something different from each of them um, along the way. Um, I think, you know, from my early job, I learned a lot about resiliency. I learned a lot about, you know, putting in the hours, um, what attention to detail meant, um, what working through challenging environments might be. Uh, to today that working with our current CEO, that you, know, you may have a range of complex challenges, which one sort of do you need to address at a given moment? Even if you'd like to address all of them, it's probably not feasible. So it's been terrific. I think all of them have allowed me to operate within my style, within a framework, as opposed to a prescribed um, sort of approach, which is something I've tried to do with my team at GuideHouse. Yeah, uh, what advice would you have, you know, new associates coming into to GuideHouse or coming into the industry, you know, what advice would you have uh, for them? To yeah, be successful at this. Be eager, get involved. I think a lot of what I learned was, you know, being present, being on site, um, you know, hearing sort of things that were going on, volunteering to help out with something that might be outside of my day-to-day -day role, um, being pulled into new business development opportunities, research in terms of white papers, things of that type. Um, understand your, your client's industry, you know, do some research, some reading. And when you have an opportunity to let that shine, let it shine. And people will recognize that. So if you're intellectually curious and you're engaged, people can't help but notice that and really want to work with you and help expand that. A Guidehouse was recognized uh, by Diversity Inc. as a top uh, 50 company for diversity in 2022. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, that, the importance of diversity and, and you know, your background, you know, again, getting back to that culture that you're trying to establish sure. within Guidehouse and the importance of diversity within the firm. Yeah, it's it's critical. I mean, you know, there have been numerous studies written on how a diverse organization leads to outsized performance and results. And so we've got to put in the groundwork, the framework to allow that to happen um, and then allow that to generate the outcomes and the results we want, whether that's unique and impactful solutions for our clients, outsized business returns, uh, great careers for individuals. It all starts with who do you have on the team and are you creating an environment where they can thrive and learn? And I think we've done a great job of that and diversity begets diversity. So once you start to build a foundation, you start to attract talent from different places that you might not have thought um, that are attracted to your platform and then he or she brings their own perspective to the table and allows us to continue to expand. So it's been a great journey, but it is a journey. You're never done. Um, and you've got to continually look for talent. I spend a significant amount of my time meeting with folks in the market, whether I have an immediate need or not, just to try to understand who's out there, what are they interested, how might they be a fit at some point, whether it's today or down the road. So I think we have collectively done a good job of that at Guidehouse, but again, you're never done with that journey. Yeah, I think this is a great segue into some of the, uh, you know, the macroeconomic headwinds out there, some of the challenges in the business environment right now, and one of those has been over the past uh, few years, and looks like it's going to continue to be, is the talent management mm -hmm. uh, issue. How are, how are you navigating uh, some of the talent management uh, challenges and making sure that you can get uh, the skills that you need to continue the growth project, uh, projections that you're on? Yeah, it's a challenge for everybody in our space. Um, I think you know the last few years during the pandemic, I mean, at first, I think we were all enamored with the remote work capabilities and the ability for people to be highly productive. Well, that works when there's nothing else in society open except your team's meeting and your ability to do work. Once everything else changes, you've got to find models that allow you to engage your workforce because you can easily get detached by working remotely entirely and you have no stickiness to an organization. You'll be looking for the phone call from someone offering you another opportunity. So we, like everybody, have tried you know, different models. Um, we've certainly stayed away from mandates and things of that type. But really more of how do we engage people on a professional level, on a social level, on a learning and development level, building camaraderie any way we can, community service, um, you know, our pro bono consulting work that we do. There's lots of different angles and it's not just project work that can help you sort of build that camaraderie and that teamwork in the workforce. So we've looked at all angles on that. 
I think the economic environment now shifting changes the dynamic a little bit. There's a lot of talent out there, particularly from the tech industry, that will be looking to be repositioned. And hopefully we can benefit from the influx of talent. You're seeing the talent pool open up a little bit? Uh... Absolutely. I mean, you've seen the, the, the sort of uh, mass layoff announcements from some right. of the technology firms. Many of those firms hired from firms in our space and, and to get to where they are. So we'll start to see some boomerangs come back through or people that don't want to go through that experience again right. and like the stability, perceived stability of the environment that we're in. Yeah, getting back to uh, the uh, the mergers and acquisitions, uh, you've been engaged in it. Do you see that uh, we're entering a period of more consolidation within the defense sector uh, in the consulting space? Absolutely. I think, you know, we were talking about this earlier. You see regulatory pressure out there having some of the traditional accounting firms that have strong consulting businesses looking to preempt what might be coming down the pike. Um, there's, you know, sort of different business models involved. You see uh, a lot of M&A activity in our market, especially in the government consulting space. There's a lot of private equity money looking to be deployed. So I think all of those factors together bring for a continued active environment in this space. Um, and you know, we'll see what that, those opportunities are for GuideHouse. You know, are there parts of businesses or entire businesses that we desire to bring on our platform, whether in the commercial side or the public sector side? Um, as we mentioned, we have four industry groups. So is, is it complementary to the industries that we're in? Is it adjacent to the industries in? It gives us a tremendous amount of opportunity backed by strong capital to, to be accretive in that way. Do you think that uh, you know, from a customer perspective, uh, should they be concerned about this, that there's going to be a lack of competition or consolidation? That always tends to be a concern that uh, once you go through a period of consolidation, again, less competition out there, uh, less options for, for the customer or the federal client. Um, should they be concerned about there or that, or is this just a, again, a natural progression, the evolution of the market, the industry, it's just time for some consolidation before there can be future growth? Yeah, I think it's a natural progression. Um, I think that the public sector market in particular has thousands of players, low barriers to entry right. in certain parts of it, that I think this consolidation actually will bring some more value. I mean, I think in a lot of cases you see teaming put together to bring that value. Some of the M&A will accomplish what teaming has in the past. Um, so I'm, I'm not concerned about that from that perspective. There's so many players in this space. And it also will sharpen innovation, I think, in you know, having firms that are still in this space. Be what differentiates us from our competition? And that might benefit and will benefit the government. So where do you think, uh, uh, where do you see you know, the market going right now? Uh, you know, as far as we got, again, we mentioned a lot of the macroeconomic headwinds, uh, a lot of talk about a possible uh, recession, continued inflationary pressures. At the same time, defense budget has stayed uh, fairly stable. Uh, do you see increased uh, budgetary pressures uh, on defense that's going to uh, you know, put more pressure on the market? Uh, and is that going to drive more of this uh, merger and ac uh, acquisition activity? It could. I think you know, when I look at the defense budget in the you know, national security writ large, it's a massive spend that's there. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we work on are sort of programs that consist that exist year-round uh, through administration, through budget cycle. So I'm not con particularly concerned. I think the government, you know, during economic headwinds spends more money. Right. And so I think that's good for the market. On the commercial side, I think you'll start to see, you know, maybe a change in how those entities spend money, maybe being more compliant with regulations, perhaps more investigations, more claims, more things of that type, more need to look at what their internal strategies are and are, there, are they structured appropriately for the economic conditions. So I think it'll be somewhat of a shift of what we do for certain clients on the commercial side. I think on the public sector side, tremendous opportunities still um, to continue to expand that footprint. That's great. Well, thank you again, John, for being with us today. We really appreciate uh, your time. And again, continue to support to uh, the American Society of Military Controllers and uh, the Defense Financial Management community. Thanks, Rich. It's my pleasure.
I'd like to thank today's guest, John Saad, partner and segment leader for defense and security at GuideHouse, for his insights into GuideHouse's strategy, market, business model, and support to federal clients. Watch us again next month, where we bring you inside the companies working to drive transformation in the defense sector, to hear directly from their business leaders, and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. I am Rich Brady, CEO of the American Society of Military Comptrollers, and I thank you again for joining us. You are listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search ASMC. Thank you for listening to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network.